HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Firesider, a health tonic based on the traditional New England cure-all of raw apple cider vinegar and honey. For more information, visit Firesider.com. Hi, this is Katie Kiefer from What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. show of 2016 of let's get real the cooking show about oh my god what's what is it it's been so long oh finding preparing and eating (laughs) food real food oh my god it's only been like a month Uh oh anyway welcome back to the first show of the year here in the newly refurbished fallout shelter it seems like every time i take a break we refurbish the shelter it it's like in a constant flux of renovation. I just can't decide what I want it to look like, basically. So we just keep doing it. Anyway, I know, I know. This is like when I don't call my mother for a week. I know, I know it's been a really long time. I know, I was busy. I know it's been a really long time since the last new show. I know. But yeah, the holidays and work and then and then the station was closed. Heritage was on break for a couple of weeks and, you know, then renovations and parties and all that stuff. But we're here now. It's a new year and it's a new season and it's time to throw out all the old and embrace all the new and all that, you know, all the guilt and dump it. So everybody just drop those grudges that you've been holding against me for the whole, you know, no new shows for a month business. Erica, what's up with that? And let's just talk. Okay. Let's just, let's start fresh and let's have a talk. Let's have a, let's have a real heart to heart. Okay. It's been a while. We haven't talked. So, so let's catch up. Let's see what's going on. So why don't you guys tell me, um, what were your resolutions this new year's Eve? Do you, do you even remember what they were? Because, I mean, it's been five days now. We're five days into the new year. Do you remember your resolutions? Did you make any resolutions at all? Did you? No? Really? Nothing? 
Me either. I didn't. Seriously. I mean, seriously, New Year's resolutions. Who does that? And again, it's the new year already. uh, It comes up so fast. And what's the point? I mean, do you even remember what you resolved to do or change or be last year? A mere 370 days ago. Do you remember any of that? I mean, I think I maybe I have this sort of recollection that I resolved to be less judgmental. (laughs) That's a good one. I can't really remember because you know how people start to get when, you know, they're pushing 50. Stuff starts to slip a little bit. You know, not like those smug millennials. You know who you are. All convinced that they're changing the world and they're so optimistic. They're so clueless. You know, like the baby boomers when they were back in their 20s with their cultural and sexual revolutions. Yeah. How'd that that all work out for you, huh? Good luck with that. Meh. Oh, wait a minute. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Trying to be less judgmental. That's what it is. New Year's resolutions. There's no point. No point. What? You shouldn't make these declarations once a year and then promptly forget about them. You should aim to make steady, gradual changes all year. Constantly strive to be your best self. I sound like Oprah, don't I? Here's a really good idea I came up with this morning, actually. You could tell Siri... Because, you know, everybody has Siri. If you don't have Siri, if you have whatever the non-Apple phones are, I'm sure they have something like that. I don't know her name. Katie? Who knows? But you could tell Siri to remind you once a week about what you want to change in your life, right? Then just as like the weekend rolls around and maybe you start drinking too much or you haven't worked out once all week or you haven't maybe eaten like a single vegetable all week, there's Siri's oh-so-slightly-judgy voice actually kind of a lot like mine, piping up to remind you of what you were supposed to aim for all that week, right? I think that's actually a really good idea. I mean, I use Siri all the time to set reminders. When she works, she works. So, you know, what I should do is just say, hey, Siri, remind me every Monday morning to not be so impatient and annoyed by stupid people every Monday. That could pop up. Oh, and also remind me later to buy more goat yogurt and to fold my laundry, too. Thanks, Siri. You're a pal. But seriously, sorry, couldn't, couldn't resist that one. There's one thing that I have been thinking a lot about lately, and not just since New Year's, but for a long, long time now. And I've just, what I've been thinking about is just about less. Just less. Less. Less what, you ask? Less of everything. I think this year and really forever going forward because we have no choice, we should all focus more on less. Less stuff. Less food. Less waste. Less consumption. Less war. Less hate. Less judginess. Less junk. But mostly less food. Or at least less of the wrong kinds of food. And maybe a little more of the right kind. But even then, with the right kind, only buying what we really need, using it all up, and creating as little waste as possible. That should be the motto. Buy less, eat less, waste less. I've talked about this before. I did a whole show on food waste. Probably a few times. But to paraphrase Michael Pollan, you know, his famous slogan, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Buy food, but only as much as you need and in the most minimal packaging. Eat it all and don't waste any of it. 
Okay, it's like it's a little long for a paraphrase. It's actually maybe the opposite of a paraphrase because it's longer. I don't know what that word would be. A megaphrase. But that's my resolution and I'm sticking with it. Okay, you heard it here. I'm, I'm actually already pretty much there, so it's not much of a challenge, but that's what you're supposed to do with resolutions. Resolve to do something you basically already do so you can feel really smug about it when you stick with it all year. And, you know, I kind of enjoy smug. I'm trying to change that, but it's hard to explain to Siri how to remind me of it in a way she can understand. Hey, Siri, remind me every week not to be smug. Okay, Erica, I'll remind you. But she doesn't, you know, not really. Anyway, Jack's resolution, Jack, engineer and, you know, guy in charge here, he posted that his resolution was to cook more this year and to eat out less. Oh, yeah. Right? Totally. Yeah, which is great. Admirable. Totally respect that. I love that. But you've been cooking a lot more lately anyway. Yes. Right? With your quincible boxes. I just downloaded a budgeting app. And when I saw what my eating out money was, it was very depressing. I know. It's sick, right? Especially here in New York. Awful. You go for a coffee, it's $4. It's insane. Right. So Jack has resolved to cook more and eat out less, which is great. And also, not only saves him money, but it creates less waste than eating in restaurants or eating takeout for sure. There's a lot less waste when you actually see the food in front of you and you're cooking it and you're dealing with what's left over, right? And Jack, as part of his resolution, has also resolved to all invite all the Heritage hosts over for dinner at some point, too. <laughs> yes. Right? Wasn't that part of it? Totally. Yeah. So, But I actually had this idea that we should have a host potluck dinner this year. I think that would be fun. Not here. There's no room. But maybe at the offices. Maybe at Jack's house. No, maybe not. But we have a host potluck this winter, and all the hosts bring food. And that, I think, would be fun and probably extremely delicious because half of us are chefs, and the other half are in the industry some other way. And that would be an amazing party. So let's get the interns working on organizing that one. We have, like, a whole gaggle of interns, and they all look the same to me, and I don't know who's who, but, you know, they're efficient. Maybe we could sell tickets to the potluck as a fundraiser for the station because as you know we are listener supported nonprofit radio and did you join or renew yet did you miss the deadline for last year it's not too late to join so just get on that but we could sell tickets to this potluck right and then people could come and then not only can the listeners mingle with their favorite hosts but they can also eat and drink with their favorite hosts and eat and drink stuff that their favorite hosts have brought or made or produced i think that'd be amazing let's get an intern on that stat so a couple days ago i had to go to whole foods not in an in and of itself a bad thing to do it depends on the time of day but i had to go to whole foods you know i've mixed about whole foods but they support us so we love them we love them because i had to buy unflavored gelatin a.k.a. Knox. You know Knox gelatin? It comes in like a big orange can for food service purposes or in little envelopes for home food service purposes. Knox gelatin. When I was a kid, there were recipes for Knox blocks. Like if your mom was too cheap to buy Jell-O brand gelatin, she could buy Knox and mix it with like sugar and juice and make Knox blocks. But they were never as good. They didn't have quite the same um, like sheer as Jell-O. How it broke. They were inferior. Of course, we probably had the Knox in our house. Actually, what we had was probably K-Gel, which sounds like a sex lube, but is actually kosher 
gelatin because you know gelatin is made from pigs. Not that we kept kosher, but my grandparents came to visit. Although I think anyway, whatever. I'm going off on a tangent. Why did I need Knox gelatin? Is the question and the the salient point here leading up to my actual truly salient point. I needed Knox gelatin because I needed it for a private cooking class that I was teaching. Because you know I teach at Home Cooking New York. HomeCookingNY.com, cute little school here in New York. But we also do private teaching um, in people's homes. Now, this client wanted to do like a Chinese dumpling dim sum menu, and they wanted to make soup dumplings. Do you know what soup dumplings are? Soup dumplings are these Chinese dumplings. They're like pot stickers. They're filled with ground pork and cabbage, but also with scalding hot chicken soup. So if you ever eat a soup dumpling, you should know, don't just bite into it. You'll get burnt. Okay, you bite off a little corner. You let the steam out, you slurp the soup, then you eat the dumpling. Just FYI. Now, to make soup dumplings, you have to make the soupy filling. And to make the soupy filling, you have to make a very strong fortified chicken stock and add extra gelatin to it or make a really strong fortified chicken stock with a lot of extra bones in it to get the gelatin out of the bones because that's where gelatin comes from, you know, bones and skin and hooves. Mm, Hi, vegans. But... We were using boxed stock for this particular day because I don't get paid enough to do the kind of work to make homemade chicken stock for these clients, okay? So I'm sorry. I'm not going to make stock. So don't judge the box. Yes, it creates waste. Contradicting my point from earlier, but let's move on. So you make this very strong stock and you chill it well. And because it's been gelatinized, well, it it gelatinizes. It firms up. So you get this stock solid. You get a stock block. I like that. Stock block. Then you dice up the stock block and you mix it into your pork filling and then you fill and fold the dumplings. Then when you cook them, ta-da, the stock liquefies and you have soup inside. Soup. Soup dumplings. Now, incidentally, just FYI, making stock, your own stock, is one of the best, simplest, and most classical ways of using up food and preventing food waste. And for the record, I'm a huge advocate of making your own stock, okay? And I do it at home. But when I'm only getting paid for two and a half hours of work at a client's house, well, um, it's box stock city for me, okay? Don't judge. That's my job to judge. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, because I had to go to Whole Foods because it was on the way to the client's house and my stupid, useless, upscale, artisanal local grocery store didn't carry Knox gelatin. Yeah. Let alone any other gelatin, not even like a selection of jello. I mean, not that I could have used that because you can't make soup dumplings with blue raspberry flavored jello. Okay. I'm just saying. Even if they had, you know, chicken stock flavored jello, well, that might work, but they don't. But the simplest, most basic of kitchen and pantry staples that all supermarkets should have. Of course, they didn't have it. No. I mean, they had 16 different types of gluten-free crackers and seven brands of cold-pressed green juice and 12 local ice cream brands and 18 different baby food, organic baby food options, but no plain old Knox gelatin, okay? Seven kinds of organic gluten-free flour, artisanal baking powder, six different percentages of chocolate chips, but no Knox gelatin, so much of the more and not enough of the basics. More, 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 more of everything, nothing I need. Now, I would like to open a store that sells the 20 basic necessities for cooking at home. And that's it. 
Not sure what they are yet, but I'm sure I could come up with a list really quick. The 20 things you need for cooking at home. And that's it. It would be like a store on Portlandia. Remember in Portlandia? Two girls, two shirts. Or the cup and spoon store. Like one of those ridiculous, almost single item store. Like the store that only sells salt. Like that. 20 cooking basics. That's it. And nothing gluten-free. Because we're moving on from gluten-free now. And my crappy regular key food mainstream supermarket, such a dump, is almost a mile walk away. Because this is the new Brooklyn. And in the new Brooklyn, there's nothing useful in the neighborhood. In the new Brooklyn, where on my once formerly desolate block that had a supermarket, there are now two custom bridal shops and two custom perfumers and a doggy cake daycare and a store that only sells international soccer team jerseys. Not useful. But you have to walk a mile to find a stupid little packet of Knox gelatin. Useful. Does, like, nobody gelatinize things anymore? Is that what's going on? Have we moved on from that? Are we so impatient or lazy that we just leave all of our liquids in a fluid state? Has our short attention span removed our ability to wait for gelatinization to happen? Is it easier? Does it require less effort to drink a liquid versus the ever effort and, and dexterity and exertion involved in spooning a gel into our overfed, gaping maws? Or does the fact that gelatin is made from boiled, strained, and rendered pig skins and hooves and bones factor into it? Is that why people don't want it? I mean, I doubt it because this is Brooklyn and you could probably offer a restaurant dish titled rendered pork skins, hooves and bones with parsley stems and apple core essence on any menu around here and charge 28 bucks for it. And you'd clean up. You would sell that shit like crazy. But try to find a little box of Knox. Well, you better put on your Fitbit because there's going to be some walking involved. And I thought I thought I had some in my pantry, but I was wrong. It was gone. And so It was Whole Foods City for me. Now, I was actually surprised that Whole Foods carried Knox brand gelatin and not some, like, artisanal, local, grass-fed, vegan gelatin instead. I was sure that they would have some ethical reason not to carry it. But there it was, tucked into the baking section. And I was so sure that they wouldn't have it that I scanned and scanned the baking section over and over again, getting more and more angry and frustrated and raging until I asked... A very silent and sullen and stony-faced employee, which is so not the Whole Foods way. And he just pointed at it, wordlessly, right in front of me. So I grabbed the package and I proceeded to the checkout line, which of course had a hundred people on it on a Sunday morning. Headed out, went to the clients, made the soup dumplings and the shrimp shumai and the scallion pancakes. And everybody was happy and they didn't tip me, which they really should have because most people do. But then I went home and I ate a wild Alaskan salmon burger from Costco and a sweet potato. The end. Good story, right? I think so. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. And this is new from a good friend of ours, band named Zuli. It's called Keep It Together. Be right back. Today's program was brought to you by Fire Cider. Did your grandmother ever tell you to drink raw apple cider vinegar? 
It's good advice and more common than you may think. For generations of New Englanders, a tot of vinegar was a morning ritual. Taken daily, a tablespoon of unfiltered apple cider vinegar can help support immune function and digestive functions. To the base of certified organic apple cider vinegar, Firesider added whole, raw, certified organic oranges, lemons, onions, ginger, horseradish, habanero pepper, garlic, and turmeric. They let this mixture steep for six weeks at room temperature to preserve the living vinegar culture and delicate flavors of the ingredients. Lastly, they blend a generous helping of raw wildflower honey into the mix. The result is potent but balanced, offering layers of sweet, tart, and spice. Firesider tastes great on its own or as an addition to tea, juice, or salad. Firesider ships direct from their online store and is available at over 500 locations nationwide. Use their store locator to find one near you and ask for a free sample. For more information, visit firesider.com. Welcome back. Let's get real. The cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Weitz. So what's my point? Other than to complain, as I do... Hey, Siri, remind me, complain less this year. To complain about living in artisanally useless Brooklyn. Well, I have a point, and here it is. It always takes a while, but here it is. There's just too much stuff, okay? There's just too much stuff, and it's starting to freak me out. I feel overwhelmed by all the stuff. My house is full of stuff, stuff I can't get rid of because I'm either too sentimental about it or it's too much work to get it organized and post it on eBay and then deal with shipping or to put it on Craigslist or just throw it away. Just too much stuff. Food stuff, clothes stuff, vintage stuff, Pyrex stuff, unused cookbooks, art stuff from college, art books. Too much stuff. And I'm not the only one. Everybody has this problem, right? We all have it. I ran into two different people I know, one of them very closely associated with Heritage, by the way, I'm not saying who, two different people with their cars full of stuff, dropping that stuff off at the Goodwill store right near my house right before Christmas. Because it seems that as people load up on all kinds of new stuff for the holidays, they also do a preemptive purging of stuff. Because I walk by that Goodwill store every day, and their storefront space where they take the donated stuff is literally, literally full. Like floor to ceiling, completely filled with gigantic plastic bags full of people's cast off stuff. Right after the biggest stuff exchange of the year has happened. A giant pile of discarded Stuff replaced over the holidays with a new giant pile of newly made stuff, but soon to be discarded stuff, not to mention all the ridiculous wrapping paper that gets torn off and immediately dumped and can't be recycled. And this year, for some reason, more than other years, it's making me feel really sick, like physically sick. The sheer volume of stuff just in this one Goodwill store multiplied by how many thousands of other Goodwill stores and Salvation Armies and thrift shops and just town dumps filled with all our old, unwanted, and useless stuff. I mean, yeah, sure, the thrift shops and the Goodwills, they'll resell a lot of it, keeping it from the landfill cycle for, you know, another year or so. But where and when does it end? I mean, so much stuff. I just, I can't take it anymore. Remember less, what I was talking about in the first segment? Less. Let's buy less. Let's consume less. Let's eat less. Let's throw away less. Less, less, less. Less. 17 kinds of gluten-free flour? No. No. We don't need that. 
17 flavors of Jell-O? No, I just need the plain unflavored stuff. That's all. So while I was on my gelatin quest, it struck me, as it has often before, that our supermarkets and our upscale, politically correct grocers and artisanal boutiques are also filled, filled with stuff. Edible stuff, most of it, but most of it, useless edible stuff. Useless edible stuff. It's there, but in a big store, like a Whole Foods, you have a large, fresh produce area. Beautiful, great produce. And a shiny, sparkling meat and fish counter. Beautiful, pristine stuff. And a few hundred fresh cheeses and dairy products and maybe a bakery. And then the rest of the space, what's it taken up with? Stuff. Crackers and snacks and drinks and condiments and supplements and powders and potions and a million versions of non-milk. And it's all just too much stuff. Remember what I was saying in the first part of the show? Buy food. Just food. Real food. Buy food, but only as much as you need and in the most minimal packaging. Eat it all and don't waste any of it. It's hard to do that when there's 60,000 packaged products, even in the so-called healthy Stores. Forget foodiness. You know, this is just going on the assumption that you're not even eating foodiness. This is like the alternative world, foodiness. And I mean, look, I'm guilty too, right? I can't live. I say that. I can't live. I could live. I could live, please. Without my Trader Joe's goat's milk yogurt, I'm addicted to that. See, again, I'm addicted to it. Talk about hyperbole. I could live without it. But I love it. The Trader Joe's goat milk yogurt. It comes in a plastic quart container. And yeah, I recycle the plastic quart container. But plastics recycling, we all know, is kind of a joke. It's an imperfect solution. Because it takes raw petroleum products to make the container new every time. Because they're not recycling that container into a new yogurt container. And there's a huge carbon footprint involved to produce the goat's milk and to make the yogurt and a refrigerator and to ship it to me and then to keep it cold in my house and then recycle the package. And that's just one person with one container of yogurt. That's just me and my yogurt. And I can't, I, the guilt, I can't take it. Multiply that by 375 million people just in this country. Think about that. I mean, sure, I could find a local goat farmer. I could buy the milk directly from he or she. I'm sure it'd be great. I could make my own yogurt at home. I could store it in recycled, reused glass jars, which I have a ton of because I can't throw them away because I feel guilty. Sure, I could do that. Yeah, sure, I could do that. So I've been trying to minimize my consumption of stuff lately, although I've never been a huge consumer to begin with. I mean, I don't have kids, so right there. You know, I don't generate 100,000 dirty diapers in my lifetime, except my own. I think I wore cloth diapers, though, and I'm not old enough yet to be back in diapers, so sort of in between there. But I've never really been a huge consumer. I wear my clothes for a very long time. I let them wear out. I buy mostly whole raw foods and cook them. I almost never go out to eat. I never get takeout. I rarely buy convenience food. But still, it's so, so hard. Because, you know, those Alaskan wild salmon burgers that I love, oy vey, the resources that are required to get that to me. Think about that. Catching that fish in Alaska, processing it, freezing it, packaging it, shipping it literally halfway around the world to get it to me, keep it frozen. I I can't even think about it. Those bags of organic arugula that I buy, I don't even want to think about that because the guilt, ugh, it's too much, the guilt. 
I've even I opened an Etsy store. Yes, I have an Etsy store, ESW Vintage, this year to try to sell off my collection of vintage 1980s clothing from high school because that's vintage now, you know. Stuff from the 90s is considered vintage now. I had saved up a lot of my, like, super cool clothes from my punk years in high school because I assumed that either, A, one day I would have a daughter who would love it all and want to wear it, or B, I would want to wear it all again because everything comes back into style. Well, A, I didn't have a daughter. didn't happen. And I have a niece, but she's a lot taller than me. And her idea of cool vintage is 1998, not 1983 which I kind of can't stomach. And while I can wear it all again still, thank you very much, I I know I won't. I always think, oh, I'm going to wear this cool vintage thing to an audition and look really funky, and I just don't. So I've been trying to sell it. And I actually sold two of my vintage Betsy Johnson sweaters so far uh, for $200 a piece. Thank you very much, collectors of the fashion world. Amazing. I made $400 on these sweaters that I've had since 1983, 85, whatever. And yeah, I mean, that's great. But you know what? So much for recycling because I had to ship one to Canada and one to England. Hello, carbon? Um, it's me, guilt. So I try to live less. And I wind up shipping 30-year-old acrylic sweaters by air to England. The irony is not lost on me. At least now, here in New York... We can compost our food, food waste and our food scraps. My friend Lisa, who lives in Portland, they've had mandatory composting for years. She hates it. She's not a very green person. She's angry and resentful about having to do it. I would embrace it. We have it in some residential buildings here, but not yet. But at our farmer's markets, our green markets, there are barrels set up for composting, and they use that compost in the city parks. So it's a good system. So what do I do? I save all my old eggshells and tea bags and coffee grounds and carrot peels and everything else that can be composted. I save it all up in a plastic bag in the freezer, much to my husband's chagrin. And then I carry a soggy, fermenting, melting bag of garbage on the subway to Union Square so I can compost my infinitesimally small amount of food waste. Well, millions of pounds of food go directly into landfills around the world every day. But I don't care because at least it makes me feel better to know that at least my trash isn't fermenting in a landfill and oozing methane into the atmosphere and... I just found out that my local green market also has the barrel, too. So now I just have to walk a mile to Borough Hall instead of riding the subway into the city with my drippy, fetid bag of trash instead. But it's okay, because I got a free fitness tracker watch with my new health insurance program. Yeah, I signed up for Oscar, and I got a fitness monitor to wear on my wrist to track my fitness and now I just count the steps I take walking the compost to the market as part of my daily workout quota I am so into using this fitness monitor thing by the way because it totally taps into my competitive slightly obsessive nature and I love using it and I would use it forever if it lasted but of course it's not going to last because it's plastic and it has a battery and it's a consumer wearable which means it's just meant to be obsolete soon and what happens to that fitness tracker when it breaks or when the battery dies or when i get bored with it i i don't know i can't even think about that because the guilt the guilt is just too much 
Anyway, on that happy note, we're just about out of time. So we will see you next week for another all new. Oh, no, wait a minute. Next week I have jury duty. Uh-oh. I might not be here. I'm going to try to go in and act like a maniac so they yeah, won't take do me. That. But, just tell um, them you host a podcast. That should be enough. Right, and that's really important. <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, please, please leave. Here. They'll be like, is it like cereal? Never mind. It's more serious than cereal. It's cereal. Yeah. It's about cereal. Hopefully I'll be here next week. If not, I'll be on jury duty. I'll see you guys. The- oh, and then the week after I'll be in Mexico. Wow. Uh-oh. All right, well, I'll be here. Don't worry. We'll figure it out. Anyway, thanks to Jack in the control room. Thanks to Ben Kaplan for the theme music. We'll see you next week. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.